Hi everyone, this is Carl Monaghan, one of the founders of Pelvic Pain Matters. This is Pelvic Pain Natters, this is our podcast, and this is some added bonus material for you. It's Friday, so every Friday I'll be dropping you a little clinical reflection from my week, something I've been discussing with a patient, uh, or something that has been repeatedly coming up across the, the patients I've been seeing that week. These are short, like I said, bonus materials. Hope you enjoy them, hope you find them beneficial. Please do share share with anyone who you think would like this content as well enjoy so it's another friday takeaway and we are this is my reflections on clinical experiences this week things i know myself personally things i take my patients through and some signposts for any clinicians out there for ways that you can help and support your patients more successfully in their journey to recovery from male pelvic pain conditions, including chronic pelvic pain syndrome and chronic prostatitis. So this week we are covering the inner critic part two. Last time I spoke about what the inner critic is, when it occurs, whether it's helpful or not, um, and some resources and references for you as patients and clinicians to take away and to start using as well. So Learning to identify and recognise um, your inner critic can be incredibly valuable. Today I'm going to give some practical examples from clinic and things that I see within my patients and things that I hope will be really, really beneficial. One, that you'll recognise yourself personally or secondly as clinicians that you can perhaps point out to patients as um, as a signpost for recognising the things that they're likely to be experiencing. So let's give you some examples. Let's give you some examples from patients of mine that know the inner critic only too well because we talk about it and we're open around the judgments that we make and uh, I'm open around the psychological impact of male pelvic pain and I think it's really healthy to have those conversations anyway. So I'm going to talk to you initially about a patient of mine called Chris, um, former army officer, recently came to the end of his service and his inner critic um, was, uh, under his own admission, something that would crop up when he was struggling with something. For Chris, it was physical activity, although he was probably the fittest person I think I've ever met as a male pelvic pain patient. Um, and just the uncertainty of leaving the forces um, and starting his life uh, away from there. So his inner critic would often judge him that he couldn't walk for more than a certain distance. It was only two and a half k's or that he couldn't get back to doing the things that he wanted to do. So he named his inner critic the, um, now I might get this wrong, so it's either Lieutenant or Lieutenant General. I do apologise depending on whether you're an English or an American listeners or elsewhere in the world. But it's a high ranking officer within the army. And he recognised the kind of language that the inner critic, his inner critic was using um, felt a little bit like him, like it was a lieutenant general. So what we came up with was, let's explore that. Recognise when you start to hear that tone of voice with your inner critic. Recognise that and then start to have a response to it. So no longer feel like you're bowled over by that or you get swept away by it. Stand up to it. Recognise that this is not helpful and that you can do something about this. And when you start to take the power away from the inner critic... 
A patient of mine yesterday described their inner critic literally as a bully. And when we start to take the power away from a bully, then the, ba- then the bully becomes powerless and they hold less fear. we are less fearful of them. So I asked Chris to come up with a counter to that and I said, let's, let's have a funny response. So he came up with, shut up, Baldrick. Now, if you're not aware... Um, Blackadder is a British comedy from the 90s, um, Rowan Atkinson and Tony Robinson, and it, it, depending on the series, depended on the time in history where they were. But it, it's incredibly funny, and one of the characters in there, Baldrick, was a, a subservient, um, uh, how's the best way to put this, slightly simple character, um, and he'd always say something stupid, seemingly stupid. So the response was, I'll just shut up Baldrick. And Chris used this over and over and over again when he heard the Lieutenant General being critical and judgment judgmental of him. And he became a ninja, as my uh, personal development coach would say, he became a ninja at recognising the inner critic voice and then learning how to change his relationship with it and be less and less fearful. So that's incredibly helpful and something that I suggest that you would explore yourself. And I'm going to give you some other examples around this as well. So another patient of mine who we've just started this journey with, we spoke about his inner critic voice and we spoke around the the narrative and the language that the inner critic will use. I'll give you an example for myself after this next one from from David. Um, Because we all have them and they've all got their own language and... um, mannerisms that are not our normal mannerisms and language so for David um, we were speaking and I was hearing what he was saying around the thoughts and the limitations that he would place upon himself if he had symptoms if the symptoms were getting worse then his inner voice would say oh you'd better not do that or you'd better sit down or you'd better avoid doing this today so when I reflected that back to him, he said, now that's fascinating because that's not the kind of language I'd use. I said, oh, interesting. So that would suggest that the you'd better language narrative is something that his inner critic is using when he starts to feel a bit threatened or a bit uncertain or a bit anxious or a bit catastrophic. And you can hear how the catastrophic thoughts and the hypervigilance can be wrapped up in you'd better or you'd better not do that in case this happens you'd better not do this because you have symptoms in your perineum so david is currently working on identifying a counter strategy to this you'd better not character so there there is again an example of a particular type of narrative or character um, that is present, particularly when the patient is ruminating and anxious and feeling negative and uninspired and maybe even feelings around or of depression. So I know my inner critic would have been, um, oh, for F's sake, and I'm not going to swear, we're going to try and keep this clean, oh, for F's sake, and was one of the characters, and oh my God was the other one. And I recognise these two in my head because I don't use that kind of language outwardly. Um, uh, And so whenever I would start to judge myself or criticise myself, I'd recognise that they were two of the inner critics that I had. And you may have more. That's fine. But recognising them 
And what I did is I just started to disassociate from them. I started to realise I used RAIN, the acronym I introduced last time, recognise that you're having them, assess whether this is helpful or not. Oh, for F's sake, you... Oh my God, I can't believe that you did this. Oh my God, I can't believe you haven't done that. Sound familiar? And what I started to do is I used the, the, the RAIN acronym. So recognise, accept that these are going to happen. Investigate. Is this helpful for me now? Does this allow me to be the person I want to be? Is this helpful in my recovery? And then practice the non-attachment or the non-association. So letting the thought go. Now, I would put my thoughts in a red balloon. I don't know why. Maybe it's a Winnie the Pooh hangover from me being a kid. Not sure. But I would put the thought in a balloon and allow it to drift away. And I would no longer be at the mercy of that thought. Now, this took repetition and repetition and repetition and repetition. And guess what? More repetition. But I kept, I became much better at not being bowled over by the thought. Not being pushed downstream by the thought. Let's introduce the stream analogy here. So if you stood by a stream and watched the river or the stream flowing by, that could be your stream of consciousness. It could be your stream of thoughts. Now, if you step into the river, you can get bowled over by that stream of consciousness and those stream of thoughts or the stream of the inner critic. And you can be taken on a merry-go-round or a log flume ride is probably a bit more appropriate or a water slide ride and swept downstream and carried away with a thought and 50 minutes, an hour, they're not too dissimilar, um, a couple of days later, maybe pop your head up and realise, oh my God, I've been in a mood for that length of time. You can withstand the river and battle against it and force yourself against it. And that becomes exhausting. And you're trying to fight every thought and push them down and and, and block them away. Um, and that battle and that fight becomes exhausting and something else you're dealing with. Or you can start to walk against the tide of consciousness. You can start to walk against the inner criticism and the inner critical voice. You can start to walk against the judgment. And this is where you're no longer afraid of that stream of consciousness. You've recognised it. You recognise it historically. You'd have been bowled down the river by it. But now you're going to take a stand. But not only that, you're going to start to work against it in a good, healthy, positive way to like I said previously about the bully analogy, you're, you're going to take away the power from the bully. You're going to take away the thoughts that rule and dictate to you. A couple of other examples and then we'll wrap up for today. Um, patience of mine. I love this. I absolutely love this. Playing golf, having a terrible, terrible round. Symptoms start to flare. As he's having the round of golf, guess who starts to creep into his thought process? His inner critic about not only the golf but also his pain symptoms and how he's never going to get over this and he stopped and he said to his mates I'm just going to give up I'm just going to turn around and go back to the clubhouse I'll see you there one of his mates took him aside and said look what's going on they had a conversation they had a chat and they were they were in tears laughing they ended up in tears laughing because of the the irony of the situation the lunacy of the situation if you like and guess what after they dried their eyes stop their belly shaking from all their laughing James's pain had gone now he's and he carried on playing the rest of the game of golf wasn't amazing but his symptoms were no longer present he no longer let that bullying inner critic judge and rule him he found it hilarious he found it funny that he was having these thoughts he was able to take himself out of 
He was able to recognise, accept that he's having these thoughts, practice investigation, is this really helpful for me now? And then practice non-attachment by laughing in the face of adversity, laughing in the face of the bully. Guess what? Symptoms went for the rest of the afternoon. So as they were building up and building up and building up, he laughed them away. I've got one more example of something, and this was absolutely priceless. And I'm going to come back and use this example over the next, I don't know how many decades. Patients of mine, Daniel, um, speaking with him around uh, pain after sex and pain after ejaculation. And we were discussing it and he, we spoke about the inner critic, but he came back with just such a lovely, lovely response. He said he doesn't want to ha- stop having sex. He doesn't want to stop ejaculating because it's worth it. He was prepared to put the experience and the pleasure and the enjoyment over the pain experience of ejaculation. And he was able to overcome that by not being as fearful of the pain around ejaculation by saying, it is worth the time with my partner through having the sex and the ejaculation. I am prepared to accept some discomfort and some sensitivity. And guess what? As a result of that, his experience around ejaculation massively changed. The inner critic is something that you will all recognise as pelvic pain patients. The inner critic as as a clinician is something that you should consider when talking to your patients about their struggles and looking beyond their pelvis for answers and solutions. You don't need to be held to ransom by the inner critic. There are lots of resources out there. I mentioned The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris in the last podcast. Um, There is thehappinesstrap.com, a bunch of free resources on there. There's the eight-week program. There's Russ's story. There's a blog. There's free information available to help and to guide you through this process and to be less held to ransom by your inner critic. My name's Carl Monaghan. This is one of my Friday takeaways. Enjoy your weekend.